Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 26th of October 2014, entitled Subtlety of Satan versus Simplicity in Christ. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 15. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I invite you to stand with us this evening in honor of the reading of God's holy word, beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, reading down through verse 15. The Apostle Paul, under inspiration, writing to the church at Corinth here, said, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ." For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which we have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. But we have been truly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. When I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth, but what I do that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing of his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Father, we thank you so much this evening for this tremendous privilege we have of looking into your word once again. Help us not to take it lightly. Help us not to be wasteful of this time. Lord, I pray that you'd help our minds to be focused upon you and upon your word. Help us, Lord, because we have no words to accomplish anything here this evening. 
So, Lord, we need to hear from you. May you speak to us that which we need this evening. We give you the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our thought this evening, if you would, is taken from verse 3 when Paul said to this church, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled or deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul has a great fear. These are believers that he's talking to. This is the church that he's talking to. And of course, as we look, we find that as we go through here that Paul had this great desire. He talks about being jealous over them with a godly jealousy, you know, his desire that they could be presented to Christ one day as a chaste virgin, that they might be made what God would have them to be, that God's word would do the work on them that only it can do. But he has a fear because as that's what he's wanting for them, we find that he's afraid that the devil, through his subtleties, he says, might corrupt their minds, that he might corrupt them away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Now, it's interesting here because what he's talking about, the picture that he's trying to give them is this, this corrupting is a word that they used. This was one of the greatest fears they had for the temple in Jerusalem. It's the same word that sometimes in our Bible is translated as, as defiled, that they as Christians, as, as, as God's children, that he desired so much for them to be presented to God one day, to present it to Christ as a, as a chaste virgin that Satan through his deceptions, through his subtlety, through his craftiness, that somehow he would be able to corrupt or defile their minds away from the simplicity that could be found in Jesus Christ. Now he goes on, and in the next verses, he really shares with them again his great desire of the gospel and the purity of the gospel and his preaching the gospel and how that he's preached this gospel in a way that would not be a burden to them. And then, boy, he just flat does not pull any punches when he gets back down into to verse 13 here when he's talking about those that are involved in this corrupting of the minds rather than the simplicity of the Christ. And he just calls them what they are. He said, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, that shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Well, if Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, he says, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, those that are getting up and may be appearing to be ministers of God, these false prophets, these deceitful workers, he said, it's no big thing if they're transformed into ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to 
their works, which won't be a nice end. We find that, you know, one of the things that we said this morning, one of the great tools of Satan and one of his most effective tools, just as he began in the garden and just as we saw that it will be again right in the very end of when God's wrath is being poured out during the seven years of tribulation upon this earth, is to divide, to bring disunity. And so we find that one of the ways that Satan does that is just to confuse. We find that an actual, most of you have heard of an archbishop or an archdeacon or all those. How many of you have ever heard of an archdemon? An archdemon. Well, an archdemon, of course, is one of those that's high up in the satanic church that makes no bones about worshiping Satan himself. And an archdemon by the name of Canon Roger Lloyd made this statement, and I quote, he was speaking of his subordinates, those that he was instructing on how to do their job. He said, insert yourself into the simple situations which call for plain and obvious duties and complicate them and complicate them again until at last no one involved in them can make sense of all the confusion. You see, sometimes we think of Satan as his main way of working. Well, we can recognize, we can see because they're just out and out lies. And we saw he began with a lie. He's the father of lies. And yes, but his lies aren't so obvious a lot of times. We see him, Paul's fear for this church here was him working subtly and deceiving just like he did with Eve in the garden by corrupting their minds away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Now, confusion can come in all kinds of ways, and most of us have experienced it. I found it interesting as I was reading a few little stories, and, you know, sometimes students get very confused, don't they? Read the story of the student that was wearing a T-shirt, and all he had on the front of this T-shirt was just this big K. And finally, somebody asked him, says, what does that K stand for? He says, it stands for confused. He said, but confused doesn't start with a K. He says, now you know how confused I am. <laughs> Sometimes we can be confused, and we can absolutely know that we're confused. Sometimes people can get all confused and not even know it. How many of you have ever heard of Washington? And if I ask you, where is Washington? What would you tell me? America. Where in America? North America. You're getting closer. Amen. <laughs> not the town or the county. Okay. Neither one. There's a city and a state. <laughs> The fact is, is that, of course, it can be very confusing because if you said the East, well, there is a Washington, D.C., Washington, District of Columbia, which is the capital, which is on the East Coast. It's not part of any state. It is a district that is there as a federal district for all the federal things, and it's not part of any state in the Union. It's the District of Columbia. But on the opposite side of the coast, on the west coast, up in the far north corner, there's a state that's called Washington. Well, politicians are so clever. 
that when they were first, and I, and I read this, I can only believe it because it sounds, sounds like it would be so, when they were trying to f- figure out a name for the state of Washington, the name that was first proposed was Columbia because of the great river Columbia that ran through. But then the comments came up, well, we really shouldn't call it Columbia because people might get it confused with the District of Columbia. So they called it Washington instead. (laughs) And somehow that's supposed to be less confusing because you can decipher Washington easier than you can Columbia. But, you know, the truth is, is that they brought out about a whole lot of confusion. They didn't even know that they were confused. And a lot of people could be confused without even knowing it. But then, most of the time, you're in good company. I'm telling you this for a reason, because I believe this is one of Satan's subtle tools that we need to be careful for as the church today just as much as then. We find that there was one of these, and today, you know, we do a lot of ordering online, and of course, at one time, it wasn't on the computer. It was more of a mail-order catalog. You'd get this big catalog, and you'd order something, and then it would, it would come through, and it saved you having to go shopping for it. And so this guy goes to the catalog, and he orders a birdhouse. And it's one of these that comes flat-packed, and you've got to put it together, and you've got to build it. Well, this pack comes, and he puts it all together, and suddenly the company gets a letter back from this guy saying, you know, I, I ordered this birdhouse from you, but it keeps falling out of the tree. Well, when they come to find out, got to looking, it wasn't the model for a birdhouse. It was actually a sailing yacht. And he built this sailing yacht and put it in the tree. But they wrote him back and said, you think you're upset. You think that you're unhappy. Because that's the way he had signed it, unhappy. They wrote back, Mr. Unhappy, you think you're unhappy. You ought to see the guy that thought he was building a yacht when he, when he, when he tried to get it to float. Because <laughs> somebody else had got his birdhouse and it was supposed to be a yacht. We get into confusing situations all the time. And many times... People don't even know that they're confused. The great president, Harry Truman, he was known for making the statement, if you can't convince them, confuse them. That's the way to beat them. If you can't convince them, confuse them. He was the one that also told the story, which he apparently loved to tell, and he told it over and over and over again about the the guy that passed out one night, and the family all thought that he was dead. And so, you know, they called in the funeral home and they took him down and later in the middle of the night, this guy woke up in a coffin at the funeral home. He woke up and believe me, he was confused. He was looking around and he was trying to figure out, he can't figure out just what the situation was because he said, well, if I'm not dead, what am I doing amidst all this satin in this box? But if I am dead... Why am I needing to get up and go to the bathroom? Most of you have to do that in the middle of the night sometimes. You know, the whole situation was very, very confusing for him. Well, those things might be lighthearted, but that is exactly the way Satan works in our lives. He takes things and he just takes and tries to confuse us from the simplicity of it. We find that if we look back through history that this strategy has worked Right through history, we find that we read this morning from Genesis chapter 3 where that he beguiled Eve. And wasn't it through that lie that he didn't really take and turn the whole situation around? He just changed it enough to confuse her. We find that he loves to confuse. 
That's what he tried with Jesus himself. I've got some copies up in my office. If none of you have ever read The Trail of Blood, then it might be an interesting. It's just a small book, but it really gives the history of, in a very short version, of where our forefathers that believe a lot of the same things that we believe right through history where that has cost them their lives. Why? Because of confusion over what the truth is, most of them were killed and put to death by others that called themselves Christians as well. They were just another brand of Christians. You see, Satan brings himself into it, and we talked about this wanting to divide this morning and how he does it. And one of the ways he does that, and he's done it historically time and time again, is just by confusing the truth. Paul says, I'm afraid for you being moved from the simplicity that is found in Christ and your mind being corrupted or defiled by those things. I've been asked a question sometimes. We look back and we read about some of the great reformers. And we see some of the, the great things that took place during the Reformation. But then some look and say, well, I'm confused. I mean, if these guys, if God was using them so greatly, and we could go through a whole list, which I'm not going to begin to name all those reformers, but why with most of them out of that came what we know as Protestants today, for protesters, why did most of them still believe that you should baptize babies, for example? You know, why were they still confused over so many of these doctrines? And of course, I guess partially, you've got to look at where they came from in the Catholic Church. You see, I, I believe personally that our forefathers, most of those that you'll read about in the Trail of Blood, they didn't come from the Protestant Reformation Matter of fact, the Reformers were putting them to death as well because of their beliefs on baptism and some of the things that we still stand true on today. But folks, we're talking about Christians, killing Christians. Were there Christians on both sides? Most definitely. But just because that Satan was able to corrupt their minds, defile their minds rather than with truth, to begin to place enough error in there just to confuse the situation to where they genuinely, honestly thought that what they were doing was right and good. What about the Apostle Paul before he got saved? Man, he loved God. He was a man that thought everything that he was doing was for God. We find that he was very confused. <laughs> but Jesus Christ straightened him out one day. We could look through history how can we find that such great men? It was something that I was reading earlier in the week. I think if you turn in your book there, somebody turn to Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. I think you'll find somebody look for me and see if that wasn't the song that, uh, one of the songs that Charles Wesley wrote. And of course, Charles Wesley, uh, in, in, in writing that, of course, was many of the songs that he wrote went along with the doctrines and the preachings and the teachings of his brother John Wesley. And when he wrote that, in, in one of those, of course, he talks about the Lord keeping them from their bent to sinning. <laughs> and 
So then you'll find another song. Did you find it there, somebody? Is that Charles Wesley? Yeah. Then you'll find another one in there. It's called Rock of Ages. <laughs> if you turn and you find the song Rock of Ages, it wasn't called that to start with. Rock of Ages was actually written to go against love divine, all love's excelling because of this confusion in the doctrines. Because the guy that wrote Love Divine, All Love's Excelling in your hymn books, Charles Wesley, was an Armenian. Whereas the guy that wrote Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee, was a Calvinist. <laughs> and he actually wrote that and he called it something totally different when he got in the pulpit. I wish I could remember the name of it. But he called it that when he gave that, that poem that he put there because he believed that, you know, that will, you know, for us to pray for God to help us not to sin was not right. We should be praying to God that, that we'll just be in him with all of this, this stuff. Well, the truth is, is that there's great truths in both of them, but that was actually a sign of the great songs, and both of them came out of confusion, or we wouldn't have one or the other of them uh, because of the, the confusion that was there, but it's one of Satan's great tricks right through history is to confuse the issues. Is there confusion there? Absolutely. Is there still confusion there? Absolutely. People ask me a lot of times, are you a Calvinist or are you an Armenian? I said, no, I'm just a Biblicist. <laughs> I just believe the Bible. I don't like none of their tags. I don't like a lot of men's tags. I'm not out to follow men. I know what they're really asking, and I know what I'm saying. I'm trying to confuse them a little bit as well. <laughs> I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not an Armenian. And I believe that by the same token, that anybody that doesn't think that God used John Wesley and George Whitfield at the same time and they were on just couldn't have been more opposite ends of that argument, and yet God used them. But there's no question that somewhere in there, there was confusion. But the thing that's different there is that in that confusion, they both had a very simple message of salvation in Jesus Christ. So Satan's strategy of confusing, we can just, all we have to look and see is see how that, man, I mean, even good people, you think maybe that you couldn't be, none of us like to think that we could be confused on the things of Scripture. Anybody ever heard of Daniel Boone? Daniel Boone was one of the great pioneers that went across, and he was one of the first that crossed over those great Smokies, those Appalachian Mountains, and pioneered much of the area of what's known as, uh, as Tennessee and Kentucky today. And one day after he got, and he would go out there, and I mean, he would cut these trails, and again, you know, it's an awesome thing. If you ever drive through those mountains, and you see the awesome majesty, the beauty, the expanse of them, and you try to imagine people cutting their way through there when there weren't any roads, <laughs> when it was just bears that you had to get past. <laughs> Somebody asked Daniel Boone one day, though, and all this said, well, you know, haven't you ever been lost out there? Well, apparently he had trouble admitting that he was lost, and he said, no. He said, I've never been lost. He said, I found myself confused for three or four days at a time sometimes, <laughs> not knowing which way to go, but he always found his way out. Well, sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we're lost, that we don't know which way to go, that we don't know what the answer is. But Satan's strategy, what, what Paul was fearful for this church was that they would be removed from that simplicity 
that is in Jesus Christ, and their minds be corrupted. He continues to work. You know, I guess that uh, today as we look about, and we I mentioned a little bit about this this morning, that we see all kind of brands and all kind of styles. And I guess oddly enough, in, in, in recent years, I guess the two biggest spiritual movements, one was the Reformation, the Reform Movement, the other is what is often called the Renewal Movement, and of course much confusion there. Martin Lloyd-Jones. You know, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you've ever read any of his books or listened to any, any of his sermons, absolutely tremendous. You'd think that man could surely never be confused. And yet, at the turn of the century, back in the early 1900s, when this movement began, and of course then up through the 30s and 40s and 50s, and when he saw the, he, he saw the deadness in the church, and he began to think, wow, this is something great. It's a great movement of God. But then it was only later, towards the end, that he began to see a lot of the errors that were there as well. I'm saying confusion. And remember, this is the church. These are Christians. Yes, I mean, we'll, I'll mention in a minute. I mean, the devil loves to confuse the lost people. But Paul's great fear here is for his confusion to come in. And many times, just like these great men, we, we think that surely we can't be confused. Surely, you know, that, that we're where we need to be, but we need to recognize that the devil's out to confuse us. And we need to be careful of the enemy. His strategy is very effective. It's one of the great things with with new converts, when somebody first gets saved. You know, he tries to throw all these things at them at once and, and somehow get them so confused that they want to run the other way before they ever get anywhere. Mature Christians, like some of the ones that we've talked about, we find that he's effective on them as well. Some of these men that we look at, and we must say they were great men and they were greatly used of God, but there is no question that they were confused on some important issues. Well, it wasn't God that was confusing them. We've got to realize that's Satan's strategy to bring about the confusion. He does it in churches. He does it between the body of Christ as a whole. What is the greatest thing? Well, if you take the loss, for example, you know, just as... <laughs> Daniel Boone might have been afraid to admit that he'd been lost, <laughs> that he was lost. Well, one of Satan's great strategies is to confuse them with all the other issues. Listen, they're being confused. His great concern, they could be confused, but in their confusion, in the contamination, in the defilement of their mind that they would be moved from the simplicity in Christ Jesus. He wasn't saying that none of these other things were, that they weren't important. He's saying, I fear that by the subtleties of Satan, by his craftiness, that your minds might be corrupted, they might be defiled, and you'd be moved from the simplicity that is in Christ. I give you some illustrations. 
You know, I, I, I greatly appreciate the opportunities that I've had in recent years to speak at the Christian Union. All those young minds, and they're open for, to, to, to sit there and, and, and to listen. Sometimes we think that, you know, well, you know, the young generation today, they don't want to. How many of them, they're, they're willing to listen if somebody will just talk to them. The thing is, many times the devil tries to confuse the issue. You'll try to get them thinking on anything that's important except the simplicity in Christ Jesus. You know, they're trying to unravel all of these great theological questions, and they're trying to grasp, you know, some of the things that I've been asked to speak on are pretty mind-blowing, you know, that, you know, I could probably do 140 sermons on them alone like we have in our series on Sunday mornings, but... You know, like one of the times, I think it was last year, year before last, you know, how can a loving God send somebody to a place like hell to be tormented, you know? Uh, how, how can that be? Um, I can remember, I told some of you, it's been some many, many years ago when, when one of my, my sons was talking about some of the things that, that uh, was confusing about spiritual matters. And, of course, some of the things that he was wanting answers to, and, and I use the illustration because this particular son struggled a lot with algebra. I mean, I mean, algebra was, I think that was one of the toughest subjects to get most of them through, you know. But he was struggling with his algebra. And I said, well, you know, I said, it's kind of like, you know, the Bible teaches us, and I'm not trying to oversimplify, but the Bible tells us that, you know, in order to understand spiritual things, We've got to have a spiritual mind. We can't understand spiritual things with a carnal mind. And so you, you take somebody that's either not saved or that's newly saved, said it's kind of like taking that algebra book. And you know, most of them are pretty thick. And you open it up right to the very last chapter in there. And you see these equations that stretch all the way across the page and sometimes more than one line, and you're supposed to be working that out. And you look at that and you say, no way in the world. It makes no sense. It can never make sense. But if you start at page one and you work your way through page by page by page by page, guess what? When you get to that last chapter, it should make perfect sense in most cases. <laughs> It'll make a whole lot more sense than if you try to start there. I'll assure you that. So many times we're trying to figure out things. God's mind, the Bible tells us, is, is so far above our minds. And Satan wants to confuse the issue even many times with legitimate questions. It's not that there's anything wrong with asking these questions, but the problem is we're trying to figure out how God did things and why God did them when we don't even have a spiritual mind. Christians themselves will struggle with a lot of those things. How can anybody that doesn't have the Holy Spirit ever hope to grasp to understand? Why does Satan want to move them from the simplicity that's in Christ? Very simple, folks. He wants to damn their souls for eternity. He wants to damn their souls. And, you know, the truth is there. The gospel is so simple. The Bible says it's so simple that even a child can understand it, and yet... You've heard me say time and time and time again, the Bible makes it very clear that it's not easy. It's not easy 
to let go of sin. It's not easy to put your total faith and trust in somebody else beside yourself. It's not easy when you repent, when you turn your back on sin and on the, that life of sin. It's not easy when a lot of those people, so-called friends, family, a lot of them reject you. That's not easy. God nowhere says it's easy to be a Christian, but it's simple. It's simple. And this is what that Paul is so fearful for this church for, is that they be removed from the simplicity in Christ Jesus by their minds being corrupted. So sure if he can get to them. By the same token, not only for the lost, but also for the saved. You see, just as he wants to damn the souls of the unsaved, he wants to destroy the saints. He wants to destroy the saints. Preacher, how can he destroy me? I have seen so many people, and I doubt if there's anybody here this evening that if you've been saved any length of time at all, that you won't have known people that you saw them in their fervor, their love for the Lord, in their love for the church, in their love for each other. You saw them with this great desire to serve God, and yet you see those same people today totally away from God, totally away from the things of God. Now, some of them, some of them, maybe Satan was successful enough to confuse their minds away from the simplicity in Christ and getting them to believe that they were genuinely saved when all they were getting was a, a dose of religion. Maybe they were never saved in the first place. But some of them genuinely that were saved, they're not living their lives for the Lord. They're not serving God. They're not doing anything with their lives that will accomplish anything for eternity. Why? Because Satan has confused their minds over all the kind of other issues away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Because every one of those sinners that Satan is trying to confuse, to corrupt their minds, to confuse them with all the wrong issues and all the wrong things and, and seeing all these different brands of Christians and all these different things they're being told and all these different religions out there, Confusion. Try to put yourself out there in the world. <laughs> You're trying to say, what's the truth? What if you do have some kind of a desire to actually know the truth? <coughs> You're coming from a situation of knowing the truth. But try to put yourself in a situation of somebody that doesn't know the truth. How confusing would it be to be looking for the truth and seeing all these different things that are claiming to be the truth, all of them that are claiming to be the right way. Will you please understand that is because of exactly what Paul was fearful of here. It's because Satan, not God, has confused people's minds. And some of those that are confused are lost, and some of them are Christians, but he doesn't care. 
if he can confuse the issue. And many of those that have been saved have sat down, have quit on God because he's confused their mind. He's got them off of the simplicity of what they've got in Jesus Christ and got it on all kinds of issues that don't really matter. Maybe they're upset. Maybe they got their feelings hurt. Maybe they don't agree with what the preacher preached. <laughs> There's all kind. Of, you know, the devil doesn't really care if he can confuse corrupt that mind away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. And of course, I listed a third thing. What's Satan's strategy? The damning of souls, the destroying of saints, and the deterring of service. Christian, I'm talking to the Christian now not the one that's got confused and is on the sideline over there. I'm talking to the Christian that's sitting in the seat in the church. I'm talking to the Christian that maybe even genuinely, no question about it, they love the Lord. They're trying to live a good life. They're trying to do all these things. But you know, if Satan has corrupted your mind, if he's defiled your mind, if he's got it away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus, then he's keeping you from doing something worthwhile from God. I don't care who you are. God can do great things through you. There's a lost and dying world out there that needs the simple truth of the gospel. They need the simple message of the gospel. Yes, we got all kinds of issues, and yes, we feel, and whether we like it or not, most of us are probably a little confused on some of them. But when that takes us away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus, Satan is the only one that's winning. That's his strategy, folks. You know me well enough if you've been here any length of time. I believe God's truth is vital. And as we talked this morning, I mean, the only real unity is in truth. But when we begin, whatever they are, to let these things move us away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus, you see, it all begins and ends with Jesus Christ. Now, we got a lot that's even trying to confuse that issue. They're saying, forget everything. As long as we all believe in a Jesus. Anytime it's not even the same Jesus. As long as, you know, Paul talks about that in that passage too. Some of them have got another Jesus. Some of them have got another gospel. But in the end, saying, you know, well, let's just forget all those other things can't forget the truth. But when we get so dogmatic, when we're more concerned about whether somebody's a Calvinist or an Armenian, when we're more concerned about whether somebody speaks in tongues or they don't, when we're more concerned about whether they believe this or whether they believe that or whether they don't believe this or whether they don't believe that, when we're more concerned about how they worship and their style of worship. I'm not saying we know all those things. Yes, they're important. But when we're more concerned about any of those things than we are about the simplicity that is found in Jesus Christ, that he died for the sinner on the cross, and that's the only thing that's going to save their souls, then it really doesn't matter, folks. 
We can be right on every one of those issues, but if it's moved us away from the simplicity that's in the gospel, this was the Apostle Paul's great fear, and it's God's great fear for us as he's given it to us in the Scriptures there. That we would be removed. Satan's strategy just to confuse us on some of these issues to the point that it would take us away from the simplicity that is found in Jesus Christ. We've been looking in our morning series on the Genesis account. We've been looking, you know, at the whole falling of man and that sin and the consequences of sin. And we'll be looking at other things there. The simplicity of the message is that every human being, every human being alive is a sinner. And they've got to admit that. Jesus Christ died on the cross for those sins. He is the only way. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Lest any man should boast. God does it all from beginning to end. And it's Jesus Christ from beginning to end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We don't say these other things aren't important. We get more hung up on whether that person's a Calvinist or Armenian, whether they use the King James or something else, whether they sing these songs or sing those songs. Satan's strategy. He's winning. You know, I hope and pray. <laughs> I don't know what all I might be confused about. I feel pretty confused sometimes. I just try to study God's Word to find the truth and get to the truth. And whether anybody else likes it or not, that's where I want to try to be. But I realize I've still got an awful lot of learning to do. There's an awful lot of things that I don't fully understand. But I know this. You know, after, wow, many years, many years, of being a Christian and studying God's Word. Even though that I realize more and more all the time that there's so, so much that I don't know. I've never, ever, ever found anything that I've found out from God's Word that's made me believe in Him less. That's made me love Him less. You see, Satan just wants to confuse us. We need to stick with the simplicity in Christ. I'm not saying. There are many of those things that matter. There are many of those things that I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. But when that becomes more important to me than the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ, that's not going to win a soul. That's not going to keep anybody out of hell. For that lost person, he wants to damn their souls forever. For the Christian, he wants to destroy you, tear you down, get you dissatisfied, make you quit. Saint, the Christian serving, he wants to deter you. He wants to keep your life from amounting to anything. Sometimes he can actually do that with not bad things, but good things, because he can get you more focused on other things than the simplicity in Christ Jesus. Nobody anywhere ever in history Ever in the future, nobody will ever be changed outside of Jesus Christ. Nobody has a hope outside of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm simply saying to you, as we stand on all the things that matter, let's not allow our minds to be corrupted, to be confused to the point that we're moved from the simplicity in Christ, that there is nothing more important than Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important than Jesus Christ being seen in our lives. There is nothing more important to the lost or the saved than Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is simple. Everybody's a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Individually, we saw this morning, individually, we come to recognize that position as a lost sinner. And we not just admit it to others and not just feel sorry for it, but when we go and confess it to God, the only one that matters. <laughs> and when we seek that forgiveness from the only one that matters through the only place we can get it, which is Calvary, Jesus Christ dying for your sins, there's nothing else. I'm saying, folks, please, I love you. And there's an awful lot of important truths that I'll go to the grave with. But even I'm guilty sometimes. If I can get confused enough to get sidetracked on something, not that I've got to throw this away, but help us not to be moved from the simplicity in Christ. Jesus Christ is your only hope. As a lost person, he's your only hope. As a Christian, he's your only hope. If you're going to serve him, he's your only hope. This evening, let's keep the simplicity of Christ. Let's not be moved from that. There are many. Man, he spells them out. I mean, they're just a bunch of harlots. They're false prophets. They're Satan in disguise. Satan's ministers that are trying to propagate other messages. But let us not be moved. You know, that was the thing that I believe. You know, when you look back at some of the greatest men, you look that men like, take for example, just two, John Wesley and Charles Spurgeon, again, opposite ends of the spectrum on the doctrines of grace and all of that. And yet, if you read their messages, you know what you find that is the thing that is most common of all in all of it? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Not just preaching about Jesus, preaching Jesus. Preaching Jesus. That's what changes lives. That's what changes the lost lives. It's what will change your life. Let us keep our minds focused on the simplicity that we find in Christ. Father, I thank you this evening. And Lord, I know that in the simplicity of this message, Lord, I believe that you laid it upon my heart, even that this preacher that is so easy sometimes to get confused and be moved away by Satan's subtleties to be moved away from the simplicity in Christ. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us to stand upon your truths and not to be ashamed of any of your truths, but help us in all things, never, to be moved away from the simplicity in Christ, the simplicity of the gospel message, the simplicity that above all else, people need Jesus and we need Jesus. We give you thanks and praise in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.